Yes, welcome to another edition of Conversation of the Heart. It is your boy Tito. As always, we're doing the finale of the Caretaking to Take Care series. Um, it's going to be an amazing conversation. Um, it's going to be dope to, to, to kind of put this series to bed. Um, so this series is going to be, so this episode rather is going to be about, you know, estate planning, will planning, um, preparing for funerals, you know, um, down to the very end, you know, um, in the first two episodes, we, we covered a lot of ground, you know, um, when it comes to, you know, the process of getting the news when somebody's sick to, um, how that affects you mentally, emotionally, uh, and also, um, we went into healthcare proxies, went into some stuff on Medicaid and Medicaid and which we will continue on, um, on this particular episode, you know, but we went through the gamut of why you should have these tough conversations with your loved one early. Right. And so this is the finale. Um, this is, you know, the last of the conversation that we're going to be doing upon this here, um, in collaboration, of course, with my, with my guy at Debt Free Joel, and you know um, he's going to be coming on board and this, so should be good. And um, uh, just waiting for him to come on here right now. There he is. Yes, sir. The, the man, the myth, the the man, the myth, and the legend. Um, you know, you know. He, so, you know, it's funny. I, I, I saw your post earlier about everybody going to be outside this weekend for the next two days. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, man, everybody's outside. And we inside doing this. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I, I guess we do have to put that on because we're going to be in here doing this. So, um, you know, definitely appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you uh, coming on. And um, in, the, in, in the finale of this series. Absolutely. Um, you know, started off as an idea, um, but we we definitely made a finale, well over almost four hours of content, and we're gonna add on to that. You know, so we cannot say that we didn't put this out there for the people. At least we, so that's the biggest we, thing. We tried, and I think that's the most important thing. And wherever it lands is wherever it lands. I'm cool with it. Yes, sir. So look, we went through episode one. You know, we, we, you know, just to give the people a recap, we went through episode one, you know, we went through the emotional, the mental wear and tear on finding out that a loved one is sick, um, how to have those uh, tough conversations, why you should have those those tough conversations. Then we went to the healthcare proxies and why you need to have a healthcare proxy um, for your uh, parent or grandparent, and also why you should have a healthcare proxy as well as a younger person too. Um, we went through Medicaid, Med Medicare, which we'll touch on again today, but we touched on a lot of different things. But in the finale, you know, this is also now preparing for the finale, preparing for the end. Yeah. You know, um, what that looks like financially, um, you know, and what that also looks like mentally, em emotionally. Preparing for sickness is one thing when it hits you. But actually seeing the finale play out is completely different. Yes. Um, and it brings a lot of different things and emotions and all, all types of things. But before we get there, so I want you to speak about, um, because, you know, you are the finance guru here, 
Um, you are the resident of Conversations of the Heart, financial guru, so I'm not going to touch this. I want you to touch on this right now. So the financial implications, right, of being unprepared <laughs> for the finale. I just want you to speak about that just a little bit, and then we'll go on. So first of all, coming to you live from Mars House. This is why we're doing this. Also, shout out to your mom, shout out to your pop, shout out to my mom, my father as well. Thanks. Let's put this into perspective for folks that are watching, okay? Do you know how much an average funeral costs these days? Just funeral, wake, the burial, the hearse, the repast, if you want people over, all this kind of stuff. How much do you think that this costs? Now, I'm going to help you out. Anywhere from 16000 to probably over 20. Okay? Yep. Now, something for folks to understand is that let's say, for example, your parent, whoever, your, whoever it is, says to you, don't worry about it. I have money in my account. If something were to happen to me, you can use the money in my account to be able to pay for the funeral. No, it doesn't work that way. Reason is because you're not, your name's not on the account. And just because you're the beneficiary doesn't mean you can walk in there and say, give me the money. It takes time. And when the death certificate is filed, and we'll talk about this, that whole process, once the death certificate is filed, the financial institution is notified. And once the financial institution is notified, that basically means from that point on, you cannot touch the assets in your parents' accounts, which means you, who are the guardian, you, who are the executor of the state, you, the person that they put in charge, is the person that has to come up with that money. Now, you can go into debt if you want, but you know how I get down with that. But that's the point. See, the point is most people are unprepared for that because they think e most people don't have the money to do it in the first place, which is why they take on debt. But even when they think they do have the money via access of their parents' accounts, they still don't have the money because the funds are not going to be distributed fast enough for you to pay the funeral. So if someone died today, you're trying to get them buried by next week because you don't want this dragging out. You're not going to be able to take that money from your parents' accounts. What's the, what's the limit on Zelle? 3500 Okay, and it's over a certain time. You can't do right. a certain amount over 10 days. So over 10 days is 10 grand. I just told you the funeral is close to 1620. 16, yeah, 1620, yeah. So do you, do you have six grand just sitting around to be able to put up money? Most people aren't prepared for it. And that's where you see the GoFundMes. Exactly. And other things. Um, so I want to touch on because I think this is very important to really know. And we're going to get to the other things, estate planning and will and stuff like that. Yeah. But I want to get, you know, because we touched on it a little bit in episode two. Mm -hmm. But in this episode, I want you to tell the people, and I might touch on this a, a little bit, but I want you to tell how Medicare and Medicaid affects the financial aspect of this whole process. Because it does. It does. It absolutely does. So my mother was blessed enough to be able to reach an age where she qualified for, for Medicare. Now, Medicare and Medicaid are two different things. Okay? Yes. So Medicare is what you see on TV a lot, the Part A, Part B, Part C, Part D, blah, 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 blah. You see these things, all these, all these channels, you see them. And you know what they do, just for a fun fact, they uh, market these things during the day. Why? Because people like my mom were watching TV during the day while the rest of us were at work. So they yep. market these things during the day. So Medicare is what's available, or at least um, what's available for senior citizens to have a, an insurance. 
And there's Medicare, Medicare Part A, which is inpatient. So think about a hospital visit. Medicare Part B, which is, you know, if you go to the doctor. Um, Medicare Part C, which is usually called uh, Medicare Advantage, just which my mother had, which combines basically everything. So if you have a parent right now, just make sure they're on Medicare Part C because it combines um, inpatient, outpatient. It combines um, drugs, you know, any prescriptions, whatever the case is. And then Medicare Part D is specific to just uh, prescriptions, and that was based on the old plan. But that's Medicare. And I believe she had to pay a certain amount every year or whatever the renewal was. I forgot what the amount was, but it wasn't a lot. But it wasn't exactly free, okay? Correct. And the reason why it's not free is because of Medicaid. Medicaid is for folks who have less assets available at the time, right? These are people who are, you know, their the, the money is not where they want it to be. They've reached a certain limit. I forgot what the limit is. But that's basically when the government is paying your bills completely, right, in terms of your medical bills, right? My mother did not qualify for that. She had a house. She had certain Social Security and all this kind of stuff. So she didn't qualify for it. Mind you, I don't think my mother ever made more than 40-something thousand a year. That's a fact. So she didn't qualify for it. The reason why Medicare and Medicaid are so important is that Medicare, let's say Medicare Part C, that's going to cover everything for your parent. But you know what's it's not going to cover? The nursing home. Medicare assumes that you have the money to do those things, that you can take a mortgage out on your house or take a home equity loan and put your loved one in a nursing home if you had to. Medicaid is where you have someone who's of, of lower income. They can use Medicaid for a nursing home. So this is why when you do estate planning, I'm not exactly the biggest um, proponent of it. You know, I'm not a proponent, but I don't understand estate planning the way I would like to. But this is why they tell you that when you do estate planning, people look five years back in your income to see if you can qualify for Medicaid. Because if you can, then your loved one can go to a nice nursing home over there if there is one. And you don't have to take the burden as a family. But that's one of the biggest things about it. Maud, right, my mother, had Medicare. Medicare was, you know, every, all the doctor's visits, dental, everything's covered. But when it comes down to it, it's not all covered because we still had to cut checks every single month when she had chemo fun fact you still have to cut checks because it doesn't cover everything um but medicaid if you can get on that because of the lower income status basically covers everything so folks try to get on medicaid but it is pretty hard and they're i believe changing the limits um i think what this week or next week or something mm -hmm. like that so and i'm glad I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that out but let, but also, so when it comes to when when you know Medicaid, I mean, uh, you know, look, looking five years back at your parents' accounts, they will go through your parents' accounts and see certain things. Now, for for a lot of our parents, not you know, of course, not your mother, but for a lot of um, you know parents, especially in the black community, what they do is sell their house, correct. Right, and they live off the money from the house for the rest of their days. That happens a lot. Yeah. Right. Now, what happens is when you don't put that money in the estate, you put that money in your account, or not your account, but your parents' account. They put it in their own account. <coughs> right. And they go on with life as if, hey, say la vie, whatever will be, will be. Right. That's what will happen. Yeah. Now, now let's just say they got. They sold the house for $500,000, $600,000. Let's just say we're in New York, so we're being gracious here. Yeah. 
So now, two years later, let's just say life gets makes it, it takes a turn, mm -hmm. and we get that hit. Boom! Something happens, right? Yeah. Now, when it's time to you know for Medicaid to go you know to go back within those accounts and this and that and the third, mm -hmm. it's not in the state. It's in your parents' bank account. Now they're gonna look and say, "Well, Medicare is gonna look. Medicare is gonna look. Medicare. They're gonna go through your those finances and say, well, there's like five hundred thousand dollars in there. So she should be able to afford. He he or she should be able to afford. Yeah. What comes next? Yeah. But what comes next could could be almost a hundred thousand, a hundred to a hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Easily. Right. And and. And something to consider. I don't. I don't know if Medicare has an income limit, but Medicaid. Does. Medicaid does. Absolutely right. Yeah, right. Medicaid does right because the thing about it is, a lot of rich people and wealthy people have been doing this for years. They put their they put their money at some point. Once they get to a certain age, they put their money in in an estate. The kids handle it. So now, when they get to be a certain of age and that they need help, it appears that they don't have any money, but right. they. You can do that. Yeah, I mean, I think when you say estate, I think you mean trust, right? Is that what you mean, or you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Excuse so, me. Yeah. It, it, so there's a there's a difference, right? When you if 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 someone has a lot of assets, mm -hmm. um, what you can do, at least one of the options that you have, and this is conversation we probably can go into like wills and estates, but yes, uh, will, wills and trusts. But a trust is different, right? So maybe I'll start with a will. A will basically mm -hmm. is you before you die telling. Um, your last, this is what it's called, the last will and testament, will and testament. Right? Right. right? That's you testing, like basically testifying to what you would want your assets to do. That's it. It's not a yep. legally binding contract, by the way, just because you have a will does not mean they're going to observe your will. But what you're doing beforehand is that you or your parent or whoever goes in front of a state lawyer or whatever, let's state planner, whoever it is, right. um, you sign the will and you have witnesses that are there to tell you and to tell the court if needed that you were not under duress, that you were not, you know, being hostile, that you were a sane mind, that you knew what you were doing. So when you pass away, God forbid, that will and your estate goes into what's called probate. Or probate. Right. Mm -hmm. And what happens is your lawyer, which is hopefully I would recommend just getting a lawyer to handle this, don't do it yourself. Your lawyer is going to file it, the paperwork for the court and say, here's your will for, you know, your mom's will, your dad's will. This is what their last wishes were. This is who they assigned as the executor. And, you know, based on this documentation, assign this person as the executor so they can just do what they want with the will. Okay? The trust is different, though. The trust yeah. is when you have a lot of assets, houses and this and that, large amounts of cash, what a trust does is basically say, here's my money, take it from me, and put it in this vehicle called the trust. And that trust you're able to dictate the terms of it. I'll give an example. So if a lot of you have kids, right? Let's say, for example, you're old enough, you're 75 or whatever, and you're looking at your estate, and you say, you know what? I want a certain portion of my income to go to my grandchildren. You can put it in an estate, and it can dictate when the money is going to be distributed to your grandchildren, so mm -hmm. 20 years from now, right? But the, the key difference, and this is what Terrence talked about, is that when you do a trust, the assets come out of your name. So now you have no more assets, right? So this is outside of your 401k, this is outside of certain things, yes. but your assets 
go into the trust and that trust now is going to be your it's not even your assets anymore is that you you put a successor on uh who's in charge of the the trust but at the end of the day it's already dictated beforehand so that's what you meant right yes. which is if you put yes. it in a trust i yes. don't i don't know if it's true or not but i believe it's a lot easier to apply for certain things it at is. the end if it's in a trust because it's not legally your assets anymore but if you had to do it like you know probably five years ago and all this kind of stuff and right right which is which goes back to what we've been talking about about having certain conversations early yes with with your with your parents or with your grandparents because if you get certain things established early like a trust right out of get certain get lumps of cash out of their name early then they can qualify for a lot more things a lot more benefits and things like that because i, I you know just my mom was in a situation to where like she would have you know being sick like she she could have been able to be eligible for a veterans benefit because yes. of my dad yes right and they looked at her account and said sorry kid yes you know yeah right because one you know she she her her money was not in a trust right and these are things that we were trying to bring up and bring out right um in that situation and for whatever reasons you know all the folks right um stubbornness things like that just wouldn't do it but now you know wish you had right yeah. so this is why we're bringing this, uh, this conversation um out because it's it's really needed for us to really kind of just you know have these types of conversations for our com community to be better yeah. and to put our parents grandparents in better situations right because it's what they deserve it's their hard-earned money they hard on money that they've used and that, I mean that they've earned down through through the years and it could be assets that they sold right or whatever the case is that should be protected yeah right yeah um and other people have been doing this for an immaculate amount of years and right? there's, something, there's something to it too like what one thing I want to make sure we're clear about is that there before you make a decision about that right whether you put in a will whether you do a trust whatever the case is you probably want to make sure you talk to an estate attorney a state planner so they can walk you through the yes. tax issues and all this kind of stuff 100%. because you, you may not, not need a trust there's a lot of people who say you got to put assets in the trust and i don't think they understand what that means right so i give you i give you an example that woman over my shoulders there's no way in hell this house is going in a trust this is Maud's house what do you mean i lose control of my house my mother would have snapped on me if mm -hmm. i even tried that now probably would have worked out better tax-wise all this kind of stuff sure but again if you bust your ass and you've been working you know for your house there's a lot of emotion tied to it a lot of people like you know they're not giving up their house they would just know they just know it's going to their kids so if you do have these conversations it's good to have a professional in the room so that people like maude can hear it from a third person right. and explain it to them in advance. But remember too, um, right? That that would have been five years ago that I would have had to have that conversation, right? My mother, my right. mother, my mother seventy six. She that would have been seventy one. My mother at seventy one looked like fifty. So ain't nobody telling her that she's gonna, you know, God forbid something happens. My mother was not gonna have it. So for sure, there are risks and rewards with trust. But make sure you talk with a professional and make sure you know your parents because that woman right there, if I told her that, it would have never worked. Right, right. And I think that's the struggle that I think a lot of us have because I've been having these types of conversations with with some of my friends and they're just like, Terrence, my, my parents are not going to do that. No. 
My parents are not going to get a proxy. My parents are not going to do this. My parents are not going to do that. Yeah. But it's like there's got, we've got to be able to at least cultivate these conversations so we could bring it to them so we could show them the benefits of certain things. Yeah. Because it is still protections. And like I said, a trust may not be for everybody, but it could be for a lot of people. Because it, especially if you sell your home. Because yeah. a lot of people, a lot of older folks sell their home and keep just hundreds of thousands of dollars in their account. But that's their retirement, right? Exactly. So the, old, the old way of thinking was that um, they didn't do pensions, right? Yeah. A lot of the older generation kind of got into pensions towards the end. So our generation fully understands what a pension is, but your mom, my mom, my dad, they didn't know what a pension was. They may have signed paperwork for it and they had no idea. So, and they didn't trust the stock market. You got to remember, they, they, they went through the real crash of 87, right? They saw it in real time. They saw people yep. committing suicide and all this kind of stuff. So for a lot of them, their wealth was built on houses. So they, their, their, their retirement plan was to sell houses as they get older, mm -hmm. give a few of them to their kids. But if they have a few houses, you sell one of them, I make 700000 Now to them, they say 700 grand. I can't live off 700 grand to hell which usually you can't, but, you know, at least not for a long period of time. But that's what that's what they thought. They thought that they can just sell the house, get the assets, and they can live off that cash forever because they didn't, they didn't contribute to the 401k. Right. Right. So I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but funeral expenses. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we don't like to think about it, right? But this is reality. Yeah. Right. And the one thing I could say is check your check your parents' life insurance policies if they have one. Yeah. They should, but if they don't. But if they do, check it. Like early. Like make sure that they have certain things that 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 it needs to be had on the policy. Because sometimes what I've realized is they may not they think they have something and they don't. That's a fact. Right. And and or, or there could be errors within the policy. Yes. Right. And, and it's like, oh wait, but I'm. It, it's something as simple as being a smoker or non-smoker. Yes, I've seen situations to where we have non-smokers that are like 75, 80 years old, non-smokers, and then it's checked off in the policy, like that they're yeah. smokers. Yeah, which yeah. is a problem. Yeah, right. So, you know, as you're going through your parents or grandparents' things, check their life insurance policies. Make sure everything on the policy is correct. Um, so whenever that time comes. It's not going to be a problem. And here's right. Here's something to consider too. Even if you have funeral expenses and you're depending on the life insurance, it goes right back to what we discussed before. What makes you think they're going to cut a check fast enough for you to pay for the funeral? Yeah, no. probably not. No. Especially life insurance. That they're not cutting the check. So even if, again, as we go right back to it, your parent could be a millionaire. They can have a millionaire policy for their um, life insurance. They can have a millionaire policy. They can have a million dollars in their 401k. They can have the house paid off. They can be sitting on cash. They don't need a trust. Everything's situated. If the funeral happens and you don't have the cash on hand available, it falls on your shoulders. You cannot go to mom's account and scream and bitch and moan while you're in the bank trying to get her money because the account is frozen, which means... You need to prepare for funeral expenses before that so that the funds are easily distributed to whoever the, um, you know, not only the state power of attorney, but whoever the executive of the estate is, which is usually the same person as the power right. of attorney, 
whoever you left in charge has access to those funds now so that they don't have to go in debt and possibly ruin their financial future because folks weren't prepared. Mm. And that and that and that right there is so true. And you know, we talked about in the first couple of episodes about, you know, making sure that your name is on those accounts, you know, talk about tax implications of that. But like yeah. having your name on those accounts is very, very much so important. Yeah. Because when you call to inquire about those things, even in depth, like you want to make sure you you have that POA or you want to make sure that your name's on those accounts. Yep. Like officially. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Get so so a lot of it is get your paperwork in order. Like a lot of it, yes, there's a financial component, you know, a big financial component of this, but a lot of this is administrative. It's free. Like get your name on the accounts. Like get your names on the accounts. Get your power of attorneys. Get yep. your healthcare. Like get these things in order. And all of these things are in preparation for the end. Or you're gonna be scrambling trying to fix amongst the heartbreak, amongst the mental anguish and emotional anguish, like you're going to be in now financial distress, panicking, yeah. trying to figure this out with your siblings, with your aunties, with your cousins, trying to figure, y'all all trying to divvy up money, trying to get this thing done, right? When in reality, these are conversations that we should have had earlier on in life, yeah. right? Like when and things were good. For. And like, prepared for, yeah. Right, when things were good because you don't prepare when you're in the storm. You prepare when things, like you prepare beforehand, right? Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like if you're a bodybuilder, you, you don't just just hop on the stuff when you're about to compete in a week. Nah, bro. Like yeah. that's preparation. Yeah. You be preparing for years for this, yeah, for this moment, and and that's where we want just if you get nothing else from us, nothing else. It's just start the preparation early, right? Yes. Like, please, you know, it doesn't take, like, if you start early, you, you can do things in bites, little bites here and there, and you can just attack things little by little, right? And get things done versus now once, once things hit the fan and it's the grand finale, it's panic time. Yes, and that's right? the last time you want. That's the last thing you want to worry about is when someone you love passes away and you got to figure out how to get to the money. Do you understand? Like, we all have all been there. Do you, the level of stress that you have when a parent dies and now we got to sit there and worry how we're going to come up with this money? And please understand, funeral preparations are not just financial either. You don't even know what they want. Do you know what church they want to go to? Do you know where they want to get buried? Do you know if they want to be cremated or you know, do you know like if they regularly want a, a traditional burial? Do you know if they want to be in a mausoleum? Okay. Do you know if they want a Christian mass? Do you know if they want to wake? Do you, let's say, for example, if you, the person you love has been sick for a year and they lost, you know, 70 pounds. Do they really want to be seen at the wake like that? Right. These are things that people, we don't have conversations about. I was lucky enough to have that conversation with my mother. So I had an idea of what she wanted. But many of us don't know. I was close to my mother to know, even if she passed away suddenly, I would have an idea, right? But people have certain preferences. My father is buried and cremated in Haiti. My mother is in a casket in a mausoleum in Brooklyn. See what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's a, or Queens. Like it's, it's different compared to each individual person. So it's not just the financial aspect. It's also understanding what their last wishes are while you still have the time. Remember, a lot of people who become sick, they 
they may suffer from dementia, Alzheimer's. So you may not be able to have that conversation at the end with them. And that hurts, right? You don't even exactly. know, know what they want. They don't want exactly. to talk about it. Ugh. It's, it's brutal. And, yeah, and you're right about that because it depends, of course, what somebody has. But when a lot of times people have strokes, people have dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. And they're not the same person that you knew just a day ago. Yes. And that. That is the part that's scary when it comes to life and when it comes to real life situations. The person that you knew on Tuesday could have a stroke at any point, God forbid, on Wednesday, they come they even if they survive, they come out looking completely different. Yes. And that in itself is painful enough to even deal with that reality. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You, you know, so that's why it's so important um, to at least try to have those conversations with your parents. I know it's not easy. I know there's a lot of stubbornness. I know there's just people setting their ways. I'm believe me, I'm fully aware. But at least you did your job to have those conversations. At least you tried. With that's what you can do because if you never tried, I mean, you like, you just never know. You know what I'm saying? You might have a parent that could be open to it, and, and one that's not right. But at least you got one out of the two. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you can do. You know, but I know at least, at least at bare bones, just just get the uh, healthcare proxies, get the POAs. Yeah. Just get certain things in order. You may not get them all right, but at least have these conversations. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, and this is a tough one, uh, but, and I'm going to go here because we kind of covered a lot of the, the those topics of financial administrative things. Yeah, sure. But when it's the end, like, and, and, and it is the, and, you know, someone passes away. Mm-hmm. Mentally and emotionally, that that takes a big toll on yeah. the person, on us, or the person, or whatever the case is. You've been through it twice, I've been through it once, and I'm on a path with I'm not saying it's that it's going to go that way or not, but just saying, you know, it's a different path, right? So, so the grief part of it, right, is something, it's something almost unfathomable. You can't fathom the feeling, right? And so how do you process, like, like, how do you process that? You know what I'm saying? I know it's different for everybody, but like everybody has different practices or, or different things that that they do some people and, and and i mean really process because some people use work they'll, they'll just say i'm gonna work now 80, 80 hours a week and i'm gonna just do that yeah some people say i'm gonna go to the gym to do that some people say whatever it is to mask the hurt mask the pain mm-hmm. and some use work some use alcohol whatever your vices are people will use yeah right but let's just say if somebody came to you and said, hey, Joel, like, um, how do you healthily try to get through something like this? Right. Well, what, what you just said, right, um, which is important, processing and distractions are two different things. Yes. All the examples that he just named, working, going to the gym, drinking, having sex with random people, going, like, whatever the case, whatever your vice is that you feel you're justified for, that specific thing is a distraction. It's not processing the feeling. Very important thing for folks to understand. Processing the feelings means that you have to be vulnerable. That means that you have to look 
look it and accept it in the face for what the situation actually is. And what the situation is, that person, for all intents and purposes, physically are no longer here. And that is a lot for people to handle. Me personally, I think you have to look at it in two different aspects. The first is when someone comes to you and says, how do you deal with grief? Everybody's different. But who are you to that person in their lives? So, for mm -hmm. example, for me, with that woman, I was very close to my mother, and I was also the caregiver at the end. So me and my mother had multiple conversations. And, like, you know, I was able to accept a certain level of, more, you know, morbidity and, and mortality when it came to this, right? I always tell people my mother, in my personal opinion, died months ago, not in February, but, like, multiple mm even when the diagnosis came, because you wow. knew it was coming. You always knew it was coming, and your mom's physically breaking down, and she's mentally breaking down. Mm -hmm. So the death part was, it was, was long for me. So if you have the ability to be a caregiver, I do think that you're able to process it a little bit better at the end because there's no regrets. There's, if you do it right, right, there's no regrets. There's no Yo. – you gave everything you had so mm -hmm. I can walk around one's house and feel comfortable and keep my head up and like I'm not worried my mother's not gonna hurt me you know what I'm saying like I'm fine with it for people who don't right let's say for example there's a death it's it's just instant which is always the worst right you, you I just saw this person and then they're gone number one, one there's a very good chance you're gonna need therapy let's let's be honest you're not gonna be able to process this not in our not in today's society we're not our emotional intelligence as, as people, and especially even as men, are not up to a point where we can deal with that, right? We, we didn't study these types of things when we were younger. We just knew how to put our chest out and handle our business, which I did. But at the same time, you're going to need therapy to be able to process it. Um, if you're a person of faith, you know, get on the knees and pray, you know, because you're going to need all the help you can get, both physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. But I think the first thing you do is you have to breathe. You got, got to breathe. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't accept that moment. So that's why people, they, if you notice, they're, they're at the wakes and they're at the funerals, and they just, they cannot accept the person not being there. And that's one of the hardest yeah. things you can possibly do. But to me personally, I think one of the, the ways that I would approach it is, number one, you're going to need therapy immediately. Um, Number two, when someone says you need to be strong for this person, bullshit. You don't got to be strong for nobody but yourself because guess what? You're going to be hurt. I understand you don't want to show too much emotion in front of your kids and all that and break down in front of them, but you can still process it. But you have mm -hmm. to accept the, the situation, and then it's a longer road. It, that, that road, look, my father's death took me, fuck, right? Like, it took a while. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? before It took until I was done with the CFA to probably – put that to bed my mother's was probably probably gonna be a lot quicker because of how involved that was, was at the end you know i don't think people really understand grief i don't think especially and i'll say men yeah we don't know i don't think men really understand what it takes to process grief if your father dies your mother dies it's not gonna take you a year or six months to process like it yeah this is this is a whole a whole process of healing. It's, it may not take you six years. You could have, you know, uh, grief for, well, grief is going to be for quite a long time. Right. And 
you can miss a lot of the things that you can no longer do with the person, right? Like for me, you know, like you know, I miss certain things about my dad, and he and he passed in twenty fifteen. Um, no, excuse me, excuse me, twenty sixteen, and we're going on seven years, right? Mm -hmm. And there's still things that you can pro it's seven years, but you can still process, you know, certain things in seven years. There's certain things that you could process in year one, certain things that you could process in year two, certain things you could process in year three. Heck, you may have a good year four, but then now you're about to say, man, I thought I was good. Processing again in year five, six, seven, whatever the case is, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of men do is they internalize it and it comes out as anger. Yeah. It comes out as a lot of just different things, right? Um, because anger is, for men, is one of the only acceptable emotions that we can show, yeah. right? Yeah. But what men need to have is other men that's either their age or either older or whatever the case is to get around them to a village and say, yo, I'm, yo I got you. I'm here for you. You can come and speak to me. Talk to me openly, yeah. right? And I think that's a lost art. Um, and I think men have a, sometimes can have a problem with doing that because we, we want to be the person. We always want to be on. We want to be the protector 24-7, 365, yeah. right? And that itself, I understand, it's like, oh, I don't want to see my kids, like, see me cry. And it's like, honestly, that could be the best thing for them. Yeah, because it normalizes it. It normalizes emotion. It normalizes feelings. It normalizes that it's okay, right, to actually let go and let it out. Yeah. Right? And what happens with men is you have a generation of men that, that didn't let it out. Now you pass it on to your sons, and then they don't let it out. And then they pass it on to their sons, and then they don't let it out. Yeah. Right? And what you also realize is you also bleed on the people who love you. Yeah. Right? They get the brunt of all of your anger, all of your sadness, all of your grief. They get that, yes. right? And that's not fair to them. You know what I'm saying? So whatever it is that you do, and some people, and I'm gonna tell you this, and you know, I, I'm a, and this is my slogan: you can do God, and you can do therapy. Yeah, you know, yeah. they don't have to be separate. Yeah, you can do both, Correct. right? Because um, some people, oh, church, oh no, well, if, if I'm born again Christian or whatever, I'm, I mean, like, hey, like I, I don't need that. I could just pray, pray, pray it away. Like, listen, like. We got to step out of that. You know what I'm saying? Utilize prayer and utilize the gifts of therapy. You know what I'm saying? Now they have a Christian therapy. Yeah. They have Christian therapists. I mean, you have all of it. Yeah. So you have no excuse. You well, know what I'm saying? Thing, the thing is, is that there's a taboo when it comes to, to therapy, right? People look at big, you funny. Big, big stigma. Yeah, they look at you funny. They go, you know, are you all right? You sure? And you're like, you know, I, I told people all the time, like, how'd you get it through with your mother? I, I was already doing therapy, so I was able to take that hit initially and handle it in real time, given the work of how to process things during that period. But most people, they have this, like, stigmatism uh, against it. Not I personally don't care, but mm -hmm. there's, there's a certain, you know, I can tell you from a person of faith, right? What a lot of people will want to do is they'll say, no, God got me. He does. What you have to understand is that he's giving you vehicles on how to deal with it. So sometimes he may send a messenger in your life to tell you, look, prayer is good, but you may also need this as well, just to get you through a certain hump, a certain lane, a certain thing. And a lot of people will try to just rely on, you know, going to church. Mind you, these people aren't there to actually pray really hard. They're just going to go. 
So they use it as an excuse. There's a stigma to opening up your feelings and opening up your emotions and talking about specific things from back in the day that may have triggered you. And people have a stigma towards it. You know, it is what it is. We're lucky now we're in a society where people are starting to accept it more. Um, but, you know, it's not just the, the faith part. But the one thing I will tell you is therapy is a lot easier when you have faith, right? Because you, what you do if you are a true person of faith is you let God do his job, right? Mm -hmm. So your job is to just walk, right? Sometimes you can see in front of you. Sometimes you're just feeling through the dark. But your job is to walk. So if you're going to look at something scary like therapy and that's the first time you're handling it for the first time in your life and you don't know how you're going to handle it, that's when you pray. And for a lot of us, and you made a lot of great points, and for, and, and for a lot of us, what, what we do for the physical is we pray that God leads us to the right therapist, I mean, excuse me, to the right doctors or surgeons um, who's doing the work on our bodies. And it's like, Lord, send me the right therapist, I mean, uh, surgeons and doctors and, and let them, you know, bless their hands and do all of the things that we need to do so that the surgery can go correct and, you know, send me to the right doctors. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing with the therapist, you know? Yeah. Same thing with the therapist. You know what I'm saying? Let, let prayer lead you to the right therapist. You know what I'm saying? So you can get the help that you need and be comfortable. And, and, and here's something, just not to cut you off. There is no stigma against get the help that you need, right? I can see people, whenever they hear this, they're like, yeah, I don't need no help. Fuck you talking about. Yeah, you do. Shut up. Yeah, you do. Because you're not able to process it in real time. Be an adult and realize what weaknesses you have. Now, I am not saying to do it via the commercialized route of what we're seeing on social media where every single fucking person has a trauma, every single person wants to go to therapy, every single person wants to come on here and tell you all their bullshit. No, I don't mean that. What I mean is you specifically having an issue and knowing something ain't right doesn't necessarily, that, that, that help is going to make you a better person. Whether you want to keep it private or not, it's not a big deal. But doing it allows you to shift gears. The most, I'll leave you with this. Some of the people you look up to in this life mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Everybody, look, if I told you who's the greatest rapper of all time, a lot of people are going to say Jay-Z. Guess what? That's therapy. A lot of people who play basketball, people love LeBron James, I guarantee you. With that level of, with that level of income, that level of notoriety, that level of hate that this man receives on social media, he does therapy. Guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, your pastors, so you know, let's talk, let's keep it. You know, if you want to keep Christian and, and you know, I don't listen to that. If some of your pastors are in therapy, that's just the reality of the situation. They may not say it because they may not be holy to say, it, but they, but they in some therapy too. You know what I'm saying? So, whoever you look up to, who, who like, and again, it's about going to somebody qualified. Somebody, and some people might say, Oh, I'll, I'll go to my pastor and talk and talk to him. He's not qualified. Qualified. He's qualified to lead you spiritually. He can pray with you. He can pray over you. But he's not qualified. He's not qualified to bring you through certain things that you're that you're going yeah. through. There's, there's imbalances. He's not going to be able to do it. He or she is not going to be able to do it. I think that you one the way I look at it is both. That's just me personally, right? Me, me so too. Some people, you know, just say, I'll just do therapy. I'm not really a church person, or I'll do church and I'm going to do therapy. Me personally, I think you do both. Um, because you can receive both 
and and move in the right direction, right? Like I always tell people, I had a doctorate um, in faith from this woman right here, yep. right? There is no amount of therapy that could have taught me that in, right. in person, right? Nothing could have prepared me for that, to see it in yep. real time. Um, yep. But also ways for you to vent. Because guess what? Us as men, we don't vent, right? We don't, don't talk. Like you'll call me and say, yo, man, how you holding up? How you feeling? And I know when you say how you're feeling, you're not asking me how I'm feeling. Like, yo, you good? No. You're asking me, like, are you okay? Like, yep. have you, you let it out? Have you, what are you doing yes. to, to deal with this? Yes. That's different than somebody just calling you and being like, are you good? All right, all right cool. That don't mean like, nothing. Nothing. So if you don't have those people around you, then yeah, you need, you, you're going to need some level of, of therapy to get through that. It doesn't need to be on therapy your whole life. Doesn't mean sometimes you need it for a short period of time to be able to handle your business. And so be it. And then if you come out a better person or something, let me tell you something. I don't want to be too vulgar here, but like you got to be a real bitch ass to make some in front of somebody who's actually doing therapy for the right reason. And I'll say it to your face twice on Sunday. Like you got to be a real bitch ass to be able to do that, right? If someone's really going through something, now, again, caveat, the people on social media who just want to, you know, play victim, I, I can care less for. But the people who say to themselves, no, this is what I'm going to do because something ain't right. I just don't feel right. Something's wrong. You go to therapy for a couple of months, you talk it through, and then you go about your business. What's the big fucking deal? It's, and, and it's not a big deal. But I think for a lot, a lot of people, men especially, because women out here getting healed and you know what I mean? They out here in church. They, they out there in in therapy. They out there doing their thing. Most, not all, but um, for us men, like we've got to get on the same wave, like of just saying, "What is it gonna take for me to get through this?" Like I can't party it away. I can't drink it away. I can't sex it away. You know what I mean? I I I, I can't fight it away. Like and I, and I can't lift any amount of weights away yeah. this thing yeah right it's temporary a lot of times we do temporary fixes right like what you were talking about earlier whatever your vice is whatever it is you can't just fix it on your own a lot of times you need a separate person to walk through these things with to strategize certain things with you um and having a good a good village mm -hmm. is priceless especially with men yeah absolutely um you know i'm blessed enough you know to have certain men around me like yourself who, who call me and say bro how you like yo are you good yeah and you know what i don't even want to know if you're good i'm just gonna pray for you right now right and that's something that's priceless and i really can tell say, say this publicly i appreciate you for that you know but if you don't have those things in place figure out how you can get them there's lots of men, you know, there's tons of men's groups. There's lots of different programs that are out there. And if you don't know what the programs are, then, then you could DM me and we could look through them together. You know what I'm saying? And we could figure it out of how we can get you the best help that you need to process a lot of these things. Yeah. Because a lot of men don't process grief. We don't process emotion. We don't process. We just go. Yeah. We just on the go, on the go. And then you wonder why seven years later, you're still with the same trauma that you started with. You know what I'm saying? Or 10 years later or 15 years later, it's like 
Yeah. There still aren't. It doesn't matter how like how much you exercise, how much you work. You're a workaholic. No matter how many businesses you open, no matter what you do to keep busy, nothing is gonna fix it yeah. until you address it. I got until you really face it like this. I got one for you. For the people who are watching, right? That usually see me talk about finance stuff. What the? Like, don't curse. Don't curse, Joel. What do you think? financial counseling is <laughs> what do you think it is when you and your significant other sit across from me and talk about your finances but what what the what do you think that is i'm listening to y'all problem and y'all are telling me why this person sucks with money and why that person spends all your money and then you have a mediator in the middle who talks it out with you to figure out a road forward? What the, what do you think that is? It's just another form of therapy. I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor, but I understand behavior, right? We all have, have our things. So you're going to need help at some point with something. So get over it in terms of like the stigma. Now, again, I always use the caveat, not the bullshit you see on social media. I'm talking about Honestly, looking at yourself and saying, hey, do I need a check-in? Do I need a check-up or something? Maybe you don't. It's fine. No big deal. But if you do, if you feel it, if you start to understand it, you're making the same mistakes over and 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 over again, get the help that you need. And then once you get the help that you need, then you can move on with your life. And you can be a better person than you were the day before. Isn't that the whole point of this? It is. But the one thing that prevents a lot of us from getting healed or better um, is our ego. Yeah. Like, that's a huge, honest thing. You know what I'm saying? That I think a lot of us, especially men, really go through is our ego and our pride. I don't want to let people know that I'm, that I'm going through something. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to bother my yeah. mom. I don't want to bother my brother. I don't want to bother my sister, my wife, my girlfriend, my friend, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Like you, don't, like, you don't want to do those things, right? But you're crumbling on the inside. Yeah. Crumbling on the inside. And you lash out. And it's like, yo, like, yo, drop the pride. Yeah. Drop the ego. Like, in the Bible, of course, it says pride comes before fall every single time. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what your good things you got going on in your life. These are things that we have to address, yeah. as I would say, expeditiously. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To get the results that we need so that our houses can be better, our homes can be healthier. <laughs> right. our, you know, our relationships with our significant others can can be better right and we're not holding things in and also because why do you think men dying early you holding all that shit in i mean what do you like I, i've had an ulcer folks i know what it is it's not cute had it when my father died i know exactly what that is mm -mm. i don't think people will especially men understand what can happen by holding stress no, in heart attacks heart failure uh, blood circulation issues is aneurysms, yeah. you know, like like you said, ulcers. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things happen up within the gut. You know what I'm saying? Within your gut health, that is is a direct result of stress. And then we and then a lot of and then for a lot of men, they don't even go to the doctor. Yeah, 
Well, so, I, got, I got one for you, right? So something else for people to understand. As you deal with grief, so as you deal with a parent dying, a significant other dying, God forbid, a child dying, grandparent, whatever the case is, there are people around you who are not emotionally intelligent, but yet they want to help. <laughs> so what they'll do is they'll take you out for drinks, they'll bring you to a strip club, they'll do whatever it takes, they'll talk the shit, whatever it is, to help you in that scenario. Those are good people, okay? They should not be look down upon the fact that they're trying to help you is important it is your job to tell them how to help you right that's the key so if you know that getting liquor in your system while you're extremely vulnerable and extremely sad about someone dying is going to set you off you need to tell them now we can't go to the bar that is your job right but this will get some food or now nah, i don't want on do it let's just facetime but it's your job to, to make sure you set that boundary so you can protect yourself too many times i think we see ourselves like the first thing we do when someone's sad is if like it got I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else if terrence tells me something happens right now i show up with a bottle we sit down and i guess we're going to be here a while right but that may not be what you need but that's the as a man that's the first thing we like we go all right we gotta be around this is what we gotta do right we gotta talk this out but that is your job. Those people are good people. They're trying. I hate when people who are trying to be better emotionally turn around and, and then shit on the people who haven't. And I think we're all guilty of it at some point. And this, this may, and this may not be popular, what I'm about to say. But we do this in the spiritual world, too. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing they say is, oh, let me pray for you. Like, we got to pray this away. We got to do this. We, like, what if I need, but what if for one second I need to be angry? What if for one second I, I need to process? What if one second I, I, I need yeah. to feel what I'm feeling? Yeah. And you over here beating me over the head with the Bible. Yeah. That's fair. You got one person beating me over the head with the Bible, one person beating me over the head with a liquor bottle. Yo, I don't need neither right now. <laughs> I need to feel. I need to feel. What I'm feeling, and too, and too much we're told that what we're feeling is not right. It's not valid. You shouldn't feel like that. They're in a better place. They're this. They're that. Like, you need to pray more about this and that because, you know, they're living in the, a place of glory. And then you got your other friend over here like, yo, let's, let's go to this drink club over here because yeah. we could just take care of all this right here. Yeah. And you're like, bro, I don't need you. I don't need you. I just need to, I don't need none of that. I need I this. need to feel. Yeah. Like yeah. and we we're in a place where we don't feel or, or we want to we or we really want to just cover up everything with something. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like like you said, liquor. Yeah. Sex. Yeah. Right? And people want to push their agendas on you because maybe that works for them. Yeah. Instead of asking you, "Hey, bro, what do you need?" Cuz you What can't. do you what what do you need from me? Yeah, cuz you can't you can't push what works for you onto someone else, right? So for example, if your faith is a very big proponent of your life and you're talking to someone who doesn't have faith, you're going to run into a wall because that person's going to look at you and see every single other person in their life that has ever come to them and try to pray with them and just try to like push you away, right? It's the same way if you try to go to somebody, like I said before, if, if you're mourning or whatever the case is, and for some reason, you're talking about liquor, and you know the person's going to get emotional and break their hand against the wall. Don't give them the liquor, even though if it works for you. 
Now, it, it's a delicate balance, right? Especially if someone of faith, because at the end of the day, if that's what you know worked, for you, it's like, dog, I have the solution. And then for someone like, someone's looking at you in the real time, like, I don't want to hear this right now, because mm-hmm. even if you're right, I'm not open to receiving that message yet. And that's the same. Right. That, right. That, that moment is that moment. Yeah. And even when you're dealing with the person of faith, I'm a person of faith for years, born and raised in it. My, my mom, too. She, she, that was the, the pillar of our household. But there were times in my life where I went through certain things so bad. I didn't want to hear nothing about no prayer. Yeah. This is I, about, I, went there, I was angry at God. And oh my God, how could you be? That was the emotion I was feeling at that moment. Did I say it was going to last 365 days? No. That was what I felt at that moment. I don't need you to come here and tell me what I need to do about my faith with this and that third. I need you to be there for me in the way that I need you to be there for me. So that and that and, yeah. and that is it because people have to be allowed to feel what they feel. Now, like every emotion, you could be mad at God one minute because that was your emotion. Person just let you know. Person just died. Whatever the case is, they're sick. Whatever you're going yeah. through, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, like, yo, God, like, why them? Yes. Why? Like, it. But that feeling may be fleeting after a week. But it, now, if you got somebody coming in trying to beat you over the head with certain things, it's like, bro, like, come on. Yeah. My my thing has always been when so when I have that conversation, I just use examples, right? So they, you know, for for example, someone comes up to you and they're like, "Yo, I'm so angry at God. I don't understand how this could happen to my mom." Yada yada yada. This is bullshit. I feel like God's not in my life anymore. Every time I fucking pray, He's not around. Da 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 da. And I always remind them, you, you do understand when, especially if you're a Christian, I always remind them, you do understand when when Jesus was on the cross. One of the things that He said that we always look over is, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me?" Like we always overlook that. Like we always look over, look at this man at that time was sitting there, like, "Yo, where you at?" <laughs> right? Like to his own pops. We always forget that moment. Or the one that I always bring up too is like, you know, before Good Friday, Holy Thursday, right? He goes and he prays in the garden. What is he praying for? He's praying to have all the stuff mm-hmm. that's about to happen go away. Right. Right. Well, he's telling you God's plan is a certain thing. He knows God's plan, and then at the end of the day, he's still trying to get out of it. But he says, mm-hmm. I will be done, right? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. But if you could, you know, take this cup away from me, please. And mm-hmm. you, you you have to humanize the conversation with people. You have to make them understand mm-hmm. that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Because plenty mm-hmm. of people have felt what you felt, including the person you're probably praying for. This can go for Muslims. This can go for uh, people of Judaism. This can go Christians, Buddha. It doesn't matter. It's okay to feel what you feel. You just have to know when to have that conversation with somebody. Right. Sometimes they want it. Sometimes they do. My brother, for example, wasn't trying to hear it. But I'll tell you what I did to him. One day he came by the house and I just quietly told him. I said, you can come here all you want, but your mother's not here. The only way you're going to get to your mother is if you pray because you know what she did. And it just stuck with him. And finally he was able to get it. You see what I'm saying? So. It, it come, the, mm-hmm. problem, the problem with grief is that it's so permanent at the time that we just don't understand how we move forward. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there is life after this. And the person that you're crying about, the last thing that, that they're going to want is for you to be sitting there like that. Facts. That's a fact. You know, That's so it, 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 that's... That this woman, 
that girl right there? Please. Mm -hmm. it did, I saw it. I saw it in real time. She never questioned that time. But I tell you what, she was pissed off a few days. <laughs> I'll tell you, she was pissed off you know, a few days. I'll which is, and which is normal. Sometimes people act like like Jesus never got mad when when in the Bible he flipped the tables over. Like like we we try to push things on people to make us feel better sometimes. It's like, well, if I tell him this, then, then he'll get it. And it's like, bro, find out what your loved one needs. If you got somebody going through grief, find out just what they need. Don't push your agendas because it's not about you. Yes, It's about your friend. Right. It's, it's about the person that's grieving. It's about them and what they need at the time. And it's all about grace. Grace, like giving them grace. They may not feel what you think they should be feeling at this moment, but here, but hear this, the person that you're looking at and saying, oh, they need to do this, you're going to go through it one day too. And you're going to... And I hope that people give you the same grace that you give others. Because it's, it's, it's a lot to process at that time. And I can tell you from a personal experience, like, like Raquel was saying, they give, you know, God gives you the grace to deal with it at the time that you're dealing with it. Not right. everybody has that moment to deal with it because there's usually, you know, the, the structure of relationship that you have based on your faith at that point may not be strong. So you're asking them mm -hmm. to go down a dark road that they're not used to in a vulnerable position where someone just died. It's, you know, that's not how our society is set up. There's a reason why, statistically speaking, that we're at one of the lowest points of faith in our country, right? That's a whole different conversation, but it's the mm -hmm. truth. The truth is you can see the trajectory that the people who claim that they're faithful and then the, the people who love money goes in the opposite, opposite direction. This is not a coincidence. You can see it in the Wall Street Journal. So it's, it's hard to have mm -hmm. those conversations sometimes. But, you know, when, when, you, when you are the friend who's going through it, sometimes you give the person space. Sometimes you give them the ability and you just ask, what can I do to help you? And from there, if you, if you are the person of faith and you want to, you know, speak God's word, because that is something you are commanded to do, you look for the right moment, and you, you, you piece it to them, right? You don't just grab all these books and start beating turns over the head. <laughs> it's not going to work. You're turning them off. So you, you just got to, you know, you still got to love your neighbor. As, as, as Christ loved the church. So it's, not, it's not that hard. I think people try to complicate it too much. And I think, I think that's part of the reason that it's, it's complicated for people is that they forget, you know, you, you, you just love. I don't care what religion you are. You just love the person for who they are. And you try to do the best for them, like Terrence was mentioning. At the moment of grief, ask that person what they can do to help. And if they don't know, one of the things I always recommend to people is when they're done with it, send them to go get a massage. <laughs> don't, don't, send them no, don't send them a liquor bottle. Just send them to go. Every, who the hell doesn't like a massage? Somebody, okay, maybe there's a few of you, maybe you don't. A foot massage, something. Go to a spa, right? Treat them to that. Take them with you for Christ's sake. But let them tell you what they need, and then you adapt along the way. And by showing grace and kindness, right, to someone, in turn, a lot of times when they've processed or or have gotten through certain parts of this grief process, you'd be surprised that they might come back to you and say, hey, look, you know, 
one, I appreciate you for being kind and thank you for doing what you did for me. But, you know, how did you get through certain things? And now that gives you the, the door to talk about Christ or to talk about how you did this or how you did that. It opens up dialogue, yes. right? Based off of how you treat other people in their time of grief and in their time of need. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Even if they're not ready to hear certain things at that time, they always remember how you treated them. Yes. And they'll come back to you and say, hey, you know what? You really did treat me well. Like, I really appreciate you at the time. Like, you know, how did you get through this? And how did you get through that? And what, what was your process? And then you can introduce your process to them. And if your process includes Christ, whatever the case is, then it's like, wow. Then the appetite, yeah. they might start to be a little bit more hungry, right? But not everybody's going to be at that space, especially when they, especially in the beginning no. of grief. And 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 in in the beginning, you're 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 dealing with so many different emotions. I know for me personally, again, I had the whole process of for a long period of time with my mother. So as things were happening, even you know, again, I'm in the room when she closes her eyes for the final time. Like I saw everything. Like so, for me personally, at that moment, it was all right. You move on to the next thing because at that moment, you've already processed your mom dying before. Now it's real. Mm -hmm. So you just picked up the playbook and said all right we gotta you know and kind of keep keep moving um but you know for everybody grief is different but here's the one thing that i will tell you all to kind of put a bow on this all of you are gonna have to go through it unfortunately whether you believe in god or not this is the one gift that we all have to accept and i say gift because it's a humbling experience it humbles you it makes you realize that life is short you will experience grief and what I always tell people is this, look around. All of your friends, like I will age myself. I turned 40 this year. You know what that means? That means I can look at all of my friends and see how many parents are still alive for them, how many grandparents are still yep. alive for them, how many brothers and sisters and cousins and friends and everybody that you know that you love, especially on this social media platform, how many pieces of grief are you going to go through for the next 30 years? When you look look at it in that lens you must understand that if you don't have a, a a way to deal with that you're going to go to a you ever notice that older people go to a lot of funerals <laughs> you ever notice that like every fucking day you turn around and like oh jesus christ you're going to another funeral because of xyz yeah yeah you have to learn you have to see it for yourself a lot of people turn 40 this year some people turn 40 already a few people in their early 30s or whatever Guys, if we if I took your life and times it by two, you would be 65. You're going to go to more funerals for the next 30 years than you did for the last 30. Yeah, and it's so funny when you even when you look at your own mortality, right? I, it's so funny. My, my brother always says like, he was like, yo, man, I got like 20 hot summers left to go. He said, I got 20 more hot summers. He was like, good ones. He said, maybe good ones. He said, I, he said I'm not saying I'm going to 20 summers. He said, but I'm not got 20 good summers left. And when you think about that, it's like, oh man, like, wow, like when you, <laughs> and I laugh at it, but it's so, but it's, it's oh. true, like, you, like you know, depending on how old you are, you know what I'm saying, and 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 you look, man, like my mortality is looking different, right? And, and what does that look like for us for the rest of our lives and things like that, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, look, it's like I said, treat everybody with kindness, treat everybody with love, respect. Um, and compassion and be their safe space 
if you have anybody in your life that's going through struggling with grief, the best thing that you could do is just be a safe space, be an ear. Yeah. You know, um, Absolutely. and, and, and everything else will fall in, into place. You know what I'm saying? But the one thing that we do, and I'll wrap it up with this, is unfortunately, after the funeral is over, most, a lot, a lot of people go and they go on about their lives and they don't look back at their friend. They don't look back at their loved one because life just goes on. Life moves, right? But I can tell you this from experience. You need your village more so after the funeral Correct. than during or before. Correct. That, yeah. That's when that that's when they're gonna need you. Yeah. And and it's sad sometimes that once the funeral is over, the support is over. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the one thing I'll tell you in closing, um, your mom was incredible. And I know that it's still new, still fresh. But whatever, you know, from one man to another, one black man to another, whatever you need from me at any moment, at any time, I got you. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's, that is a fact. She, she, she raised a, a gentleman, and um, I know that she's, she's definitely proud. Your father's proud, and it is a job well done. Um, but whatever it is that you need from me, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, I got you. I appreciate it. I mean... Look, I, I'll say I'll say to everybody here, uh, I blame Terrence. The reason why is because he started me having me do these things. But this is the one time I came to Terrence and said, this is a conversation we need to have, um, specifically because I get to tell my mother's story. So I get to talk about Maud, right? Instead of me cracking jokes on Maud, I get to tell Maud's life, and I get to tell what it was for Maud at that time. Yes, I call my mother by her first name, I know, but it's hilarious to me. Um, but what you realize when you go through it in real time as a caregiver is that you are capable of, of handling it if you're prepared. But the last thing you want to do when someone dies is be unprepared. We've all been there. We know the shit show that comes. So like Terrence was saying the entire time we did this live, if there's one thing you took from us blowing a bunch of hot air for, what is this now, six hours? At the end of the day, do the best that you can. Get the healthcare proxy in place. If if they the healthcare proxy is probably the easiest one you can do because it's like, look, if something happens, I know what to do. Okay? Then you can work on the power of attorney. Maybe you can work on the will at the same time. Maybe you can have them add beneficiaries to their accounts. Maybe you can have them have a will. Maybe you can have them have a conversation about what they would want at their funeral. And then when you are at their funeral, you can process your emotions now properly without wondering how the f am I going to pay for all this shit at the same time? See, that's the one thing that gave me comfort is that when everything was going down, Maud's the boss. Told me what needed to be happened. She trusted me to make sure things had happened and it was executed the way that she wanted it done. I am telling you as someone who went through this two months ago, life is a lot easier when you plan ahead. I hope you guys, you know, take it for what it's worth. Take it for what it's worth. Um, like I said, at first I didn't want to do this because um, I'm going through my own stuff at at the moment, and Joel knows about. Um, but I think this was this this. I don't think I know that this is a necessary conversation for our community, yeah. especially right. Um, and we literally left it all out here for probably six hours, you know, a total of six hours of content 
surrounding the process from beginning to the sickness to what you do during the sickness to preparing these conversations, all the forms that that you need, the grief while they're sick, the grief while they passed away. Um, and we just hope that you guys um, receive something from it because that's the reason why we do this is for us to cultivate com tough conversations for our community. So, again, Joel, I appreciate you. I thank you um, for bringing me this. You know, um, this one, like you said, is your fault. Um, but I thank you for doing this show. Um, I thank you for doing this series um, in collaboration with me um, so we could tell you, you could tell your story stories and I could tell mine, um, different experiences, lots of things that we've shared. And I appreciate you for being vulnerable. And I appreciate you during this time. And I got you, bro. Always 100%, bro. Absolutely. You know what it is, man. I appreciate everybody for watching. After that, y'all leave us alone. We're kidding. I'm joking. We're absolutely joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. Hey. Yes, sir. Hit up at Dev Joel for all of your financial needs, for all of your financial things that, you know, if you need you know, if you need, you know, things going on with your budgets and things like that, you want to get their free jet at that free Joel is your guy. You know what I'm saying? Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell him I sent you. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, he will get your money right. It might hurt. He might hurt your feelings a couple of times, but he going but he gonna get your money right. I, 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 you know what? I will tell you he will hit you that he will absolutely hurt your feelings. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but at the end of it all, he will get your money right, man. So definitely. I always tell you the truth. That's what you got to know from me. I got it from that woman. We'll tell you the truth. And we'll leave it at that, my brother. I appreciate you, bro. Love always, bro. Absolutely, brother. Have a good one.